The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. Embrace the perfectly imperfectness because it's definitely not something to fear. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 253. Today, we're talking to Lisa Sugarman on being a perfectly imperfect parent. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I hope that you are doing well as we enter the winter season. And I think that this is going to be such an important uh, conversation. And hey, by the way, of course, a great welcome to you if you are new and, and a welcome back to my, my dear listener who you have been coming and listening for a while now. And I love connecting. But anyway, in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Lisa Sugarman. She's a parenting author, a nationally syndicated humor columnist, a radio show host, and the mom of two grown daughters. I'm going to be asking her about the stress in our lives and how we are wanting to do well for our children and, you know, how, like, this whole idea, right, that sometimes the more we push to get it right, the more off course we get. And so this episode is all about giving you permission to have your imperfections. My gosh, I have them for sure. You know, don't ever tell yourself that Hunter doesn't make mistakes because my goodness, she does, right? And so Lisa reminds us that it's okay to drop the ball sometimes, that we don't have to be perfect, right? You know, you're going to hear how we talk about how we have to actually step back and let our kids fail sometimes. And we're going to talk about how to handle homework at different ages, um, which I think is so applicable to the remote learning situation. Oi, is such a mess. I don't know about you, but what's happening in my friend group as far as the suboptimalness of remote learning in my friend group is any indication is a mess out there. Gosh. So we're going to talk about homework. We're also going to talk about this idea that positivity is a conscious choice. 
we have to choose, we have to practice, right? It's a conscious choice. So let's practice to make that choice together. I think that we can support each other in that. Before we dive into this conversation, I just want to uh, remind you that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training, I have just a few spots available. I only have about five spots for this teacher training. It's the only one that's going to be offered for 2021. And the deadline is December 18th. If you are interested, would like to teach mindful parenting in your local community or become a coach in the My Mindful Parenting program, um, we'll be looking for coaches from our teacher training program. Check it out. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. You can learn all about it there and you'll see that to apply for a spot. First, you'll see a pink button to schedule a call and we'll get on the phone and see if it's right fit for you. And if it is, we'll send you a link to fill out that application. So I invite you to check it out. I look forward to working with the next round of teacher trainees. It's so fun to dive into this work deeper with with others. It's it's really powerful. So that's happening. Mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. December 18th is the absolute deadline. The The spots may fill before then. So do check it out sooner rather than later. Let's uh let's do it, right? Join me at the table as I talk to Lisa Sugarman. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here too. And and I like I love your the way you look at things. How how to raise perfectly imperfect kids is the is sort of your latest book that you're you're talking about. But I, I love the idea that it's it's okay that parenting is messy. And so I'm just wondering kind of like to start off, obviously your parent, you discovered at some point how exactly how messy this was. Did you did you have um did you have high ideals and dreams before your kids were, were born about like how it was going to be and, and were they dashed to this to the rocks like mine were? Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I think that I think that my reality was probably something really, really similar to yours and to any other parent who's apt to listen to this. I mean, there's there's absolutely no gauging, judging um, that we can possibly do that would translate into the reality of what it really looks like. And you know, it's like when you when you are, are given a new food to try and you you look at it and it looks one way and you absolutely are convinced it's going to smell and taste a certain way and mm. it's completely the opposite of what you expect. That's parenthood. You know, and and things things ooze when they're not supposed to ooze, and they um, they blow up when you absolutely don't expect them to blow up. And it's been you know it's been a hell of a ride. And and I say that in the best, most beautiful possible way because as much as so much of my time as a mom, and and now my oldest is twenty three, and our youngest is twenty, you know, so we've been at it for a while, and being you know, being a parent and and experiencing all the things that you just really never expect, even though people are telling you all along what to expect, um, it's it's still just been such a beautiful ride. And I think I was very fortunate to kind of learn, I guess, early on, just instinctively that um, it was going to be very, very different than we ever expected. And and that was a, that was a helpful truth for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've just been rolling with it ever since. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talk a lot and you talk about in your book, you talk about the power of positivity and I, I love that of course, because who doesn't, but it's so interesting because, you know, the, we know that the human mind is primed towards negativity, right? We know that the human Mm -hmm. mind is primed to like see these human beings and see the, all the different faults and the flaws and the, and what they did wrong and what I did wrong and, and what my partner did wrong and, oh my gosh, we're failing. And to really kind of like the, it's just this, this is our survival brain is wired for, for negativity. It's, it's like a Teflon for positivity, right? Is what the neuroscientists say. And it's like Velcro for negativity. So this coming from knowing that from this, coming from this base of understanding the human mind, talk to me a little bit about the power, the power of positivity and how we can start to like shift ourselves from the, the sort of baseline human reactivity and, and, and seeing all the things that are wrong to, to looking at things more positively. You know, I I mean, I think, I think for some it's, an awful lot harder than others. I mean, there there are a lot of people in this world, and I'm sure you know your share, I know my share, who are kind of predisposed to immediately just track to the negative side of things. And 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 you know, I mean, if you look at at, at the psychology behind that, it's I don't know, it's um, just somehow easier sometimes for for people to to dig into the negativity and to to have feelings of of anger or um, or despair or fear or I, I'm not sure why it's like it's like that whole rubbernecking philosophy when you're on the highway why does everybody have to stop and, and look at the the car accident on the road it's just we're we're somehow in some weird way drawn to that thinking and you know I think it's it positivity in my own just opinion is a conscious choice and it's not something that a lot of people can arrive at easily but uh, it's it's absolutely a game changer, and this transcends parenthood completely. I mean, I know I know our conversation is centered around parenthood, and that's what my book is about. But just the the nature of being positive and staying positive, um, you know, is is that secret weapon. I mean, that's how we talk about it in the book. It's it's that uh, that bubble wrap for the mind that when you can put yourself in a, a position of, of gratitude, for instance, there's no other way to, to feel at that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to, to be in that space and place does take an awful lot of work, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, when we can lean into being positive and, and teaching our kids how to be positive, it's, I don't know, I just feel like it's, it's a very unique kind of armor that, that we can take with us out into the rest of our lives, into our jobs, into, into academics, um, into relationships. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it looks and, and feels different the way we all arrive there um, for, for each of us. Um, but it, it takes a lot of work. And, and it's, I, you know, I, I wish there was one formula that I could I could say is, you know, is, is available. That's universal for everyone to arrive in this place. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it's really just a matter of, um, finding what makes 
you positive in your own life and in your own um, family unit, for instance, or, or, or with your work, and then just actively acting on that, actively reminding yourself about that, actively reinforcing that every single day and leading with that until it becomes uh, just a way of life, just, just your, um, your inclination. It's like, you know, what I'll do every day before my feet hit the floor, simple, simple little tricks, my own personal life, I'll get out my eyes open. And the very first thing that I do is, is think about something I'm, I'm grateful for, who I'm grateful for. And that just kind of sets the tone, um, for that positive mindset. And, uh, you know, and for me, it works. And I know for a lot of other people, it works. Um, but I think once we can all finally harness the ability to, um, to see that positive before we see anything else, um, that's when, that's when possibilities are, un, are unlimited. So you're talking about cultivating kind of a positive mindset and positive outlook like in ourselves so that we don't get sort of like assumed by all the difficulties and et cetera, kind of just basically like watering those seeds of gratitude, mm -hmm. watering those seeds of appreciation and joy so that, you know, we're not, you know, our, our, the garden of our minds and hearts aren't, isn't like assumed by the weeds of all those other things that can really choke it. But uh, you also, do you also mean like trying to sort of catch the positive in our children, trying to appreciate the positive there, like as, as a way of like helping to shape behavior and, and parent in general? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I think we, we have to identify and celebrate those things, especially because parenthood is so different for so many of us than we ever expect it to be when we kind of start that journey. And, you know, and I, I think it's, it's just such an important quality to flesh out in your kids, um, you know, or maybe rather the better word is, is skill set to mm. flesh out in your kids is that ability to um, you know, to be nimble and to to see the good in the people around you. And even even if there's the people around you and the situations around you and the dynamics around you, even if your first instinct is something, uh, you know, is to, is to attach to something negative, um, if you can kind of weed through that and identify the positive characteristics uh, or uh, of, in the, in the case of children, like, um, maybe a relationship that, that's troubling for your kids. If, if they, you can help them identify something positive within that that's worthwhile and harness that and grow that and, um, and teach that as, as a way of thinking, then, you know, your kids aren't always going to go to that negative place. They'll be more apt to, to look beyond that negative place and arrive in that, in that positive and more, um, you know, more enriching place. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18+, plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. 
only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah, you, you train and you teach and you just offer as, as this mindset. Were, were your own parents really positive and seeing the good? And what kind of, what, how were you parented? How, what, it, yeah. what are the things that you pass on from them that, you've, that worked? You know, I have to say, honestly, so my, I lost my father when I was 10. He passed away when I was 10 years old. So I had, I had 10 great years with him in my life and he was a, a super positive influence. He was, he was my person for sure. And, um, you know, taught me about movement and the importance of movement and the importance of nature and the importance of, um, positivity in, in his own way. Um, definitely imparted that to me and my mom, um, anyone who knows my mother knows that she is legitimately the happiest person on the planet ever that, that has ever lived on <laughs> the planet. She's um, just an extraordinarily content human being. Never, um, you know, she's never been bitter about any situation she's ever been in. She's always um, tried to to really just, be grateful for who she is and what she has and, um, and where she is in, in whatever time and space she's in at that given moment. And, you know, she is very fully a cup half full, like her, her half full cup is always spilling out onto the floor. That's how, that's how happy she is. And she's just a very present person. And I think that, that, that's, um, that's actually one of the biggest, I guess, the, the biggest, um, most positive things that I've inherited from her is just that ability to just be right 
in whatever moment I'm in and nurture that and and kind of suck that moment dry and 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 kind of exploit it for lack of a better word mm-hmm. and uh, you know because you you can't go backwards you certainly certainly can't go forward so we're we're really just forced by life itself to be where we are at the present time and she's just she's so skilled at doing that and being that that present so it's it's always rubbed off on me and um she just takes such delight in the, the littlest tiniest things and i'm that way too and my girls will always say to me that like, wow, you really do not need a lot to be happy, <laughs> which is for them. For them, it's thrilling because that's, you know, it makes their work very light in terms of, you know, what makes me happy. But yeah, I think, I think those are the big takeaways from the way that I was parented. And, and, you know, they were always there to listen and always supportive and always encouraging. And it was always like, do what brings you joy. Mm. Um, you know, don't put yourself in a square space if you belong in a round space. Um, and, and that was always incredibly impactful to me because it just gave me complete and total confidence in myself to do um, whatever it is that I felt that I needed to do in the world. Um, it sounds like you had like an extraordinary amount of acceptance, like mm-hmm. acceptance of who you are. And, and I was thinking like they must've been incredible listeners and you said they, they listened to you. Right. And yeah. they, they accepted you. They weren't trying to make you into something else. No, no, not at all. And I was, um, and I, you know, I, there were t- times where I look back now on my own childhood and I think very deeply about you know, the way that I was with my mother and with my father. And I definitely, my father was very, very active. I was very active. I was very, very much a tomboy growing up. I wanted to be in the trees and in the mud and on the trails and, and, and playing sports. And my poor mother was just, she, it gave her such pleasure just to, to sit and to read a book. And, and she always wished that I would be the kind of a kid that would curl up with her on the couch and, and, and read a book. I wanted nothing whatsoever to do with that. So I was very drawn to just my, my dad's energy and, and how he was as a human being. And so when he passed away very suddenly, my mom and I were, were kind of there together and had to really just almost not even reinvent a relationship. We had to kind of develop a relationship because it was like typical, um, you know, I was 10 years old when he passed away. So it was typical like tween angst and, you know, no, I don't want to wear the dress. No, I don't want to read the books. No, I don't want to join the library's book club because I don't like to sit and read. And so, but as time went on, she just, just gave me the bandwidth to, you know, do your thing. If, if those things make you happy, do those things. And, um, she, she really just empowered me to, you know, to be able to kind of explore whatever paths made sense to me and, and felt right to me. So, and we've tried to do that, you know, with our, with our own girls, um, in that very same way. And, you know, so, I mean, so far so good. Um, you know, they're both, they're both couldn't, they're diametrically opposite as human beings, but, both have such, um, you know, beautiful souls and, and they're super family oriented and hardworking and loving and caring and all those things. So, um, you know, I, I think whatever I took away from my parents and gave to my own kids is, um, I hope it's working 
Sounds, um, sounds like way. you had some good seeds, you know, it sounds like you kind of come by it naturally, this idea of like accepting who they are, you know, um, not trying to, not, not pushing like the sort of like achievement agenda, which um, I know that like it, you, you live in around uh, Boston and some areas where there's some, some people with like a huge achievement agenda going oh, on. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, I know that's that a, That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Just My, that, well, there's, we have a chapter in the book about like, don't get caught up in the comparison trap. Oh it, yeah. And for that alone. And I mean, we, we live, I mean, you and I were talking before um, you started recording about, you know, where, where we're both from and where I live. And, and I live in a very, very affluent Harbor town with, you know, multiple, um, you know, multiple yacht clubs and um, uh, you know, an awful lot of old money. And it's can be really, really challenging. Um, you know, lots of, lots of Ivy league education happening with my, my kids, friends going through school and that whole process, that college process. And, you know, we learned really early on, or at least we, we instinctively felt early on that we just needed to let them do their thing because I worked in the school system for like 13 years doing a variety of different things. And I cannot tell you how often I saw kids crashing and burning and just, just um, imploding under the pressure that their parents were putting on them, that, that pressure to, you know, achieve academically or athletically. And um, um, even, even down to who they were spending their time with and, Mm. um, you know, really kind of cherry picking what they believe to be all those right seeds. Uh, And it's just ironic that the, the harder parents push, the farther away their kids went and the farther off course they went. So I, I just saw so much of that, that I, I really, I couldn't imagine putting that on my own children. Like it's hard enough as it is. It's hard enough to be a kid. It's hard enough to be in school and um, try and figure out what you want to do and where you want to go and who you want to be and who you are. Mm -hmm. So the last thing in the world you need is for a parent. It's one thing to guide. It's a very different thing to impose your your opinions and your expectations um, when they become unrealistic and they're not for your kid anymore. They're really for you. And, Oh, how does my child's success reflect on me? That's, there's a lot of that. I saw too much of it. So we didn't want anything to do with that. You know, and the irony is that all that like comparison and that pushing really comes from a sense of insecurity and fear, right? Like mm-hmm. it really is a sense of fear in themselves of and which kind of circles back to this idea of being messy and perfectly imperfect. This fear of that if I'm if I'm not perfect, if I don't get this right, it matters so much, right? Like all I know at least uh, when my daughters were born you know, around when I had my first child around 13 years ago, like that, that whole, all that knowledge and research about like, oh, the first three years are so vital. Like I felt like if I heard that again, I was going to implode because <laughs> it put so much pressure on me yeah. that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to mess this up so completely. And my child's going to be a wreck. And it's funny because there's kind of like a there's kind of like a fine line there, right? Like there's a grain of truth into some of that. Like there are some things like we can push too much and our kids could be a wreck. We can, um, we can, you know, 
you know, be too harsh and push our kids away from us and have them have childhood traumas and things like that. Like that stuff can happen. They can be yeah. um, mentally or, or emotionally ungrounded people. You know, that that is true. But if we hold all that, like it's this weird thing because if then if we hold all that and we say, oh my God, all of these serious things are going to happen, then then we end up, you know, the the human animal when fe- feeling these threats of these things start, has this instinct to sort of like to sort of hold on and control yeah. more, right? And so then mm-hmm. we end up sort of ironically going further down that path. And so it's hard. It's really hard to f- walk that fine line between like, uh, understanding, yeah, it matters. And B, like it, it, it's your, your, you know, you, you have to like be able to let go and soften and release in order for your kids to have that, um, emotional equilibrium like that you want. Right. And, right, and right. it really starts with you. It starts with you doing the work in yourself to let go and release. So it's, it's like a crazy, you know, there's like an irony there because there, there really is a middle path that you have to walk between these things. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a lot like the work-life balance in the way that, um, you know, we, we have to find that middle ground to be able to sustain both of those things without sacrificing bits on either side and and parenting is the same way i mean i mean we talk a ton in the book about um helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting and um 
lawnmower parenting and and that speaks exactly to to what you're talking about before so enlighten me on what lawnmower is (laughs) okay so it so helicopter parenting was really that that first phrase that was coined and that really just speaks to parents who are of course hovering over their kids and micromanaging them and and um really just dialed into every little movement that their kids are making a bulldozer parent and a lawnmower parent are very similar in that when you think about a lawnmower mowing a, a clear path, oh, that's what that refers to. So that it refers to you as a parent, if, you, if that's your parenting style, you're just out in front of your child and you're mowing down anything and everything that could be considered any kind of um, an obstacle to them or a challenge to them or a hurdle to them. And, and what that does is, I mean, you, we think we're making things easier for them. And, and as a parent, we're, we're all, all of us are, are hardwired, I think, on some level to some degree to try and make life easier for our kids. Sure. What we're doing by, by making sure that the road is so smooth that there is nothing to trip on, they don't know what to do when they trip. They don't know what to do when they fall. They don't know what to do if we're out there ensuring that there are no challenges and obstacles, then they are completely ill-prepared when there are some, when they don't make the team or they do flunk the test or they have a conflict with a friend or they don't get into the the, the college of their choice or, or the group or the club, whatever it is, they don't know how to navigate through that sense of loss. And so that's, you know, that's something that, not all of us can be cognizant of every minute of the day when we're parenting. We kind of, we do these things, uh, you know, just on autopilot a lot of the time, just because we love our kids and, and, you know, we want to make the world a better place for them and easier for them. But we're, we're actually making life an awful lot tougher if they just have absolutely no idea how to advocate for themselves or how to manage themselves or negotiate um, setbacks. It's like, um, they're, they're lost, they're paralyzed. So that's what that refers to. Yeah. You're not doing your kids any favors if you can't ever let them be upset and be sad, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, we have to let them have their own problems Mm -hmm. and have, have their own upset. So do you remember any times in, in your, any times where you, you had to let go of, uh, watch your kids fail and and just stand there and see what happened oh a thousands and thousands of times like i mean i can't even there are so many that it's hard to just like you know put my finger on one or 10 of them i mean i guess i guess one of the most recent experiences that we had like that it, we had with our youngest who you know in trying to to do what kids in high school who are heading toward a college life tend to do is you're preparing to go to college and making those decisions. What feels right? Where do I belong? What do I want to do? And our, our oldest graduated from um, Boston university about a year ago, knew exactly what she wanted to do was, I mean, hit it full Monty went um, as fully into the college experience as you could possibly get and just ran with it for four years. 
our youngest, never knew what she wanted to do, didn't know if college was right for her, was petrified that she wouldn't get into college. She was never someone who was, you know, a very, very um, engaged student. She had some learning challenges, so it made things difficult for her. And we always worked with her through them. And she did well, but didn't feel like she was a kid who belonged in college. But so we kept saying, as much as we wanted to say college, you know, there is a college for everyone, which there's truth to that. College itself isn't for everyone. So we, she went off to college and it wasn't the right fit. And to our surprise, she on her own said, I want to transfer. And she transferred to try and find a different spot. That didn't work out for her as well. And she realized during that time, like, this is not me. This is not, I don't know what I want to do. I feel too much stress being here and not having any idea what I want to do with my future. And she said, I'd like to take a year off and maybe I'll go back and maybe I won't. And she took that year off. And of course, now the whole world is, you know, in a mm. state of chaos with this pandemic is that it kind of the timing jived with uh, the pandemic. But she's come to that realization that it's not for her. And, and we had to very actively step back and say, you are now 19 years old and you've, you know, you've gone through X number of years of school and, and you know what works for you and what doesn't. And, um, you know, she wants to be an esthetician now. It's what she loves. It's what she's passionate about. It's what she's great at. It's what, it's what fills her up. And so we just said, you know what, that's what lights you up. Then that's what you should do. Or at least that's what you should try to do. But it, you know, that was a, that was a hard one because, you know, everybody else around you, I mean, we have all these friends who have all these kids who are going to, you know, all these different colleges and universities and, um, and we had to just bite our tongue and say, you have to do you. And she did. Mm. And so, I mean, so far so good. I mean, obviously right now she's, um, she's not in school because her program is, is, um, on hold, but she'll go back to that. And she's thrilled to go back to that. So it's, you know, we, we get into these places with our kids where we really have to be very judicious about the way that we push our agenda onto them. When we, you know, we, we really have to pay a lot of close attention to who they are, who they're becoming, what they want, what's, what's important to them, and really just learn how to turn that responsibility over to them. It's exactly like, I know your kids are younger, but it's, it's exactly like that feeling when you're teaching your kids how to drive and they're getting their license. And all of a sudden you're in the other seat and all of a sudden they're behind the wheel and they have literally got to take the wheel and go. And you have got to just sit there with your hand over your face and not say anything. <laughs> you just buckle up and you don't say a thing. Oh my God, you I'm know. biting my fingers right now. Too. I didn't know you're going to be <laughs> fine. It's going to be great. You're going to be fine. So, so to me, this is like a, the, a question that comes up a lot in the, or it comes up often in the, in the membership and stuff is that question of homework, right? And my, what I believe is that homework is your kid's problem. Like homework is their responsibility. It's their thing. Yep. It's not your yep. thing. Now, uh, have you ha, how have you ha, approached that and 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 thinking about that that piece of of homework because we feel like like say you have a, a seven year old right who doesn't want to do their homework what do we do in this situation what what is a what is a parent to what is the right choice as you see it in that situation 
You know, it's funny. It's funny that you that you ask that specific question because when I think about my two daughters, and I think back to what I I just said a few minutes ago about how completely different they are as human beings, that difference extended right straight through to how they were in school and and, and um, the kind of students they were. And obviously, you know, no two kids are the same. Everybody learns in a different way. Um, people have different aptitudes and as I said before, my youngest had some learning challenges. So homework and school in general was always, it was pretty agonizing for her and with her. And, you know, we gave her all the resources that we could possibly give her with, you know, things like in our area, we have, you know, title one services for, for math and for reading and, and tutors. And, um, she just, she struggled and struggled and struggled. And, at the end of the day, you know, as she got older and got to high school level, we got to a point where we we just had to put it on her. It's one thing if your child is struggling with a concept and you need to step in and sit down and oh yeah, let me try and help you with this math problem or let's let's go over this, you know, this this paragraph or this uh, this paper and and work together a little bit. Um, I mean that that is part of our job, I think, to to step in and to be mm-hmm. that resource and to help to a point, mm-hmm. but. You know, school is just symbolic of life. You're giving, we're giving our kids all of these tasks and these responsibilities to prepare them for the tasks and the responsibilities of adult life that mimic a lot of these things mm-hmm. and that they're learning in school. So it's like, just like you said, like it's theirs. They have to own it. And if she wasn't going to pass in an assignment, I mean, she was always really good about that. I mean, she, 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 she was, <laughs> she was challenging to, it was challenging to get her to sit down and do it. Um, she would do it. And if for whatever reason she didn't want to, we just said, look, you're in in middle school or you're in high school and you know what the consequences of those decisions are. So that's, that's in your hands and the outcome is entirely up to you. And we made that really clear. And you know, there were some times she dropped some balls here and there for sure. And realized that the consequences were, were not worth it and you know rallied and and figured out a way to navigate through whatever work was challenging for her but um i mean i i just really believe that that kids need to own all of their stuff as much as they possibly can because having us sit with them and build the diorama for them does nothing for them having us write the paper having us you know have the conversation with the coach about their behavior or their participation does nothing for them, um, does nothing to prepare them for what comes after all of it when they're out on their own and we're not there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, when they're in school and that, that's their job, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's what they have to be responsible for. So um, we always made it very clear that this is the expectation and Whatever way you need to get it done, get it done. And if you don't, you bear the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. It's hard though. It's it's really it's really hard to sit back and watch those consequences happen because our brains yeah. go a million miles ahead. Like, oh, if my child does, like, chooses to not do this homework for these this month or whatever, they're going to be then they're going to fail. There's grade, they're going to be a juvenile delinquent, they're going to be, yep. you know, out on the street, right? Like, that's where our brains go. Have you, do you know of any ways that we can start to kind of stop that 
to be more present with that to any strategies to to help us let go of some of these some of these things and and allow these imperfections in ourselves and our kids you know i i think that one of the things that help, has helped me the most and i know it's it's helped a lot of other people out there that i know kind of practice this this philosophy is we, we just have to remember that our kids are the ones that you know they want all this responsibility they want to be in charge they want to be in control um we we just have to remind them that they are the ones that have to execute and 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 to the best of their ability. And what we have to remind ourselves as parents is that the way they execute and the way they carry out their own responsibilities, that's, we, we internalize it and think it's a direct reflection of us. Mm-hmm. Like if my kid didn't make the team, it's because I didn't practice with them enough. If my kid didn't get a good grade or my kid isn't in honors classes or my kid isn't in um, AP classes, then, then I have somehow dropped that ball as a parent or they don't get into the Ivy league school. Well, that's on me. That's, I think the biggest tip that I would say, and this goes back to what we talked about a little, a little bit ago and touched on just the notion of comparing yourself Mm -hmm. to other parents and other kids. I think that the, one of the best things that we can do is stop assuming that every single thing that your child is doing is a direct reflection of of us in an, in you know if it doesn't work out well that it, that it reflects on us negatively it's just life that's just life and they're going to nail some things and they're going to screw some things up and the irony about the things that they screw up is that the some of the the best life lessons are on the other side of the screw up mm-hmm. you know i mean we right. we all want so desperately for uh, everything to work out for our kids, everything to work out for ourselves and and everything to be, you know, kind of wrapped up in a nice neat little bow. And we obviously, nobody likes conflict or stress, but, um, and everybody loves the the win, but there's a lot to be learned from the losses and, and we shouldn't be afraid to experience those. That's, I mean, I guess it's all tied into the same tip, but that's, we have to accept that it's not always going to work out the way they plan or the way we plan. And we just have to be willing to kind of dig into those moments, understand why they didn't work out, understand why they didn't become what we wanted them to become and kind of deconstruct them and say, okay, well, what can we learn? Where can we, where can we go from here? How can we avoid having that happen? Um, you know, if, if they tank a test, well, what, how can we do it better? What do you need? What's about what's what resources did you not have that you could have benefited from? Um, mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. like that. I, you know, I think I don't think that we should be as fearful as as a culture. I don't think we should be as fearful of the the bad moments and the upsetting moments and the losses because you know there's a lot of truth within them. I couldn't agree more. I think that as a culture, we're really focused on comfort. And pleasure, mm-hmm. we're always grasping towards what's pleasant and pushing away what's unpleasant. And we just don't want to deal with what's unpleasant. And it, we're fearful of what's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so thinking about that. And I, I completely agree. You know, there's the best life lessons are on the other side of the screw up. Amen. Right. Yes. I mean, that's the way we learn the, the strongest lessons. I mean, that's the way 
everything that I do in this podcast and the, the book and the course all comes from the other side of me screaming at my kid and scaring yeah. the Jesus out of her, you know? Yep. So, so that the other things, you know, these come on the other side of a screw up. So knowing that knowing in you know, in your heart of heart, you know, Lisa, that they, that this, that you don't want to fear the unpleasant, that you don't want to, f- you don't want to like avoid things that are, are, are scary and unpleasant. How do you personally like ground yourself to be able to deal with it? Maybe. And how do you do it now? And, and how did you do it when your kids were younger? I think, you know, it was much different when my kids were younger. It was harder. I was in, you know, I was a new parent. I mean, look at you. Do you know the same things or believe the same things or see things in the same way now with your kids that you did 10 years ago? No way, Jose. No, right, exactly. So, you know, and I was no different. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just had this goal of trying to make, you know, what the over-under. You know, I wanted, I, I wanted to make... Um, better, more better decisions than crappy decisions. And, you know, you, you just, you, you hope for that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, how did I, are there, are there like uh, practices? How do you, how do you, how do you steady your own heart so that you can ride the waves of all, you know, that you describe, like the, the life is gonna, like, it's not going to go as expected. Yeah. I, you know what, I think I just really, um, I really relied on the fact that experience is the biggest is the biggest and best teacher for our children. And that, you know, I, I had a lot of faith, I grew a lot of faith over time in the fact that if my kids knew that I was right there beside them, I was supporting them, I was I was there if they needed me, that I I could let them have the bad experiences. I could let them fall and hit the ground. And I could, you know, be there to help steady them and get them back up. But I, I had to just learn how to step back. And that was, that was really what I think the biggest takeaway for me as I've, I've grown older. And of course, as they've grown older, and this is just the nature of, you know, your kids getting more and more independent and self-sufficient and going off on their own and doing their own thing and having jobs and having lives that don't always include us, which is something that's, you know, that's, that's for me, I have one who's, you know, who lives in Boston now. She doesn't live under our roof anymore. My youngest is still here dying to get out. But I, I mean, um, I've really just tried my best and I know my husband has too, to just let them, um, you know, and embrace their own decisions in the way that they feel they need to. And, um, and kind of, we all deal with the consequences, whether they're good consequences or bad consequences on the other side and, and know that there's always room to make a different decision later on. Like we've Mm -hmm. really relied on that. Like what, what's the worst thing that happens when you make a really terrible decision? Well, you, you know, you rally, you take that knowledge you, you kind of um, internalize it and you come back around and you make a better decision. And, and I, I think what I was asking was like, like thinking about your, your own, you, Lisa, as a person, like your own yeah. heart and mind, like what practices or, you know, it, it, do you do that you wake up in the morning, you say, thank you. What, what else do you, is that, 
all that you need to help to steady yourself? Uh, to oh, God, no. No, <laughs> there's a lot of meditation involved. <laughs> there's, um, there's, you know, uh, I have my own, um, you know, my own routines. I mean, we all have our own daily practices and routines. And, you know, um, it definitely starts with gratitude. It starts, you know, it continues on with movement. It, it, it continues on um, to, to doing things like journaling and writing down my intentions every day. Um, the things that, that are important to me, the things that I, uh, I want to either accomplish or, or stay cognizant of every day. Um, you know, and I've taught my kids or tried to teach my daughters to do the same. Many of, you know, many of those, those same types of practices they are now taking into their own lives, which I, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, those, are, for me, those are the things that, that really ground me. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's especially, especially fitness. Um, I would yeah, most too. definitely get, be lost without that. Me too. I, I call it, I have to get my yayas out. <laughs> yeah, your yayas out. That's great. <laughs> Daily have to get my yayas out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you're a meditator. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, what kind it, of practice it, do you do? Um, you know, I, I, I actually... I believe it or not, um, I have in the past six months, especially, um, leaned into an app, like the whole world is leaning into all their apps nowadays. And, and there's one that, that I found, cause I was traveling quite a bit, especially when our book came out last year, I was traveling quite a bit and, um, practicing meditation and practicing yoga. Um, it's not always easy to hop into a class and, and while you're on the road trying to fit that into your schedule. So I would always have a travel yoga mat and would use this app every day that would allow me to, you know, get in the quick flow and have a guided meditation, um, a five minute, a 10 minute, 20 minute, whatever, the, whatever I had the ability to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've used that pretty faithfully for, for years, but just recently in the course of this whole pandemic, I've really kind of picked my meditation practice back up again. I've always been very consistent uh, with my yoga practice, but um, I've found that the, the, one of the things that's really, really helped to create a sense of balance for me is to be able to just spend a little bit of time in my own head, mm-hmm. um, quietly kind of, bef- you know, it's one of the first things that I do in the morning before the sun comes up. I'm a really, really, really early riser. So I, I love that time before the rest of the world is, is moving and active and before anyone needs anything from me, I make sure that, that I'm getting what I need for myself before I'm in a position of having to give the rest of my family or, or the other people in my life what they need. Um, and so that, that, that time, whether it is only five or 10 minutes um, of just being calm and being quiet and being present um, and kind of allowing those thoughts to just filter in and filter out and, and see what's cluttering my mind. It's a very, it's a great litmus test for, for, um, recognizing what's really on your mind because those are the big thoughts that keep creeping back into your quiet space. And, um, and that's, that's kind of a way for me to siphon out, you know, what's really on my mind or, um, something I have to really work through. So it's, it's a great, it's a great exercise in clarity for me that I, that I just love. And I've, so I've been doing an awful lot of it the last six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, for me, my meditation practice during the last six months, which we are recording this in COVID pandemic 2020. So dear <laughs> listener, if you're in the future and you're like, what are they talking about? Um, yeah, for me, my meditation, I've, I've relied a lot um, more in the last six months on guided meditations, like just yeah, the idea too. that to have that support and scaffolding uh, that has been really helpful. I think probably in a time when we just feel less, you know, we have, uh, have less contact in general. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Lisa, I love uh, talking to you about your book, How to Raise Perfectly Imperfect Kids. <laughs> You're, you are walking the walk. There uh, were other things, of course, that I would love to chat about, but um, thinking about, you know, any any final words of advice for somebody who's earlier on in this journey and and anything you want to leave the listener with yeah i mean i would honestly say just just learn to let go learn to let go of of the preconceptions that you have if you're a new parent um just expect that there are going to be things that are going to derail you they're going to derail your kids and don't be afraid of those things um, lean into those things, work together through those things, because more often than not, it's the things that don't go the way that we want that ultimately kind of bring us to a, a, a better place because we, um, we, we didn't expect what was on the other side because we had such a, a strong perception of what uh, a situation was supposed to be that we you can't, sometimes you just can't think of any other possibilities until all of a sudden everything goes upside down and you end up in a completely different place and it's a better place. So I would say mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, in, embrace the perfectly imperfectness because it's definitely not something to fear. It's, it's something to, um, to really dive into. Yay. This has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Lisa, where can people find out about more about you and your work and your books and your columns? Uh, they can always find me at uh, lisasugarman.com. That's that's my website. That's where uh, you can find out anything about um, my books, my radio show, Life Unfiltered, um, and my my column as well. It is what it is. And you can find me at Lisa underscore Sugarman on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at the Lisa Sugarman on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been a oh, pleasure. Thank you for it's being this voice of, of acceptance and awareness in the world. It, it's a great voice to have out there. I, I really appreciate that the viewpoint and the kind of, I see this sort of like as an open arms of like embracing our embracing our imperfections, embracing our tumbles, embracing our falls and saying, you know, you're that you're still enough. You're still enough and you're still, there's nothing wrong with you. And Hey, I'm right there with you. And I really, um, I really appreciate that message and what you're bringing to the world. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Lisa has a great perspective, doesn't she? I love what she has to say about, you know, we have to let our kids fail. We have to step back a little bit. I mean, that's hard. That's hard. We've been doing some of that, you know, and it's, it's not so easy. And this whole thing, like this whole pandemic parenting thing, like we're not going to get it perfect. We're not. We're all going to 
remember this and maybe have scars and maybe be more resilient from this, like both ourselves and our kids. And yeah, this is hard. Please don't be hard on yourself for not getting every single thing right because you're not going to. I'm not going to, but we can bring ourselves to a place of love, a place of peace. We can choose positivity again and again and again, begin anew again and again and again. And that's where we can get it right. That's the place to aim for. I I invite you to do that. Um, I would love to see your takeaways from this. I hope you're subscribed to the podcast. And will you leave a a review on the uh, Apple Podcast app? It makes such a big difference helping people find the podcast. I know it's a pain in the butt. And so you, dear listener, you who have not left that review yet, but you've been listening for a while and you've been enjoying the podcast and you think it's pretty good, maybe, maybe now you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave that review uh, this week. And I know it's a pain sometimes to do some things like that, but it really makes a huge difference in this small act can make a big difference. And I would love to give you a shout out here on the podcast when you do. So as a, as a thank you, I hope you're doing well, my friend. I wish you peace. Let's practice. Let's be intentional about that positivity. Oh, let me not forget the mindful parenting teacher training. Sorry, this outro is all over the place. The mindful parenting teacher training, by the way, the deadline is December 18th. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach to learn more and to schedule a call with me. Okay, I think I've checked all my boxes now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Let's let's blame it on pandemic brain. Can we do that? Oh my goodness. Anyway, I do. I wish for me more peace. I wish for you more peace. And I'm, I wish it for me because I know that as I sit in my meditation each morning, as I take that time, as I I sit, even though sometimes my mind is like a crazy, crazy place, jumping all over the place. And I know that it makes a difference over the long term. I know that it makes a difference in the the way I parent my kids and the way I show up for my friends, my family, for you, for my work. So I invite you to do that. Do some practices to steady your heart at this time. And sometimes we can't do it for ourselves as easily as we can do it for others. So do it for others. It makes a difference to all of us. And I will be practicing with you. And I will be being completely imperfect with you. I'll be making my mistakes with you too. Okay. Wishing you a beautiful week. I'll be back in your ears next week, my friend. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this you can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? 
Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.